COVID-19 is here to stay, and it has significantly affected the way that we study, the way we do school. However, the mainstream media has turned a blind eye as to how us, the students, feel, and how we have been affected. This episode brings to the spotlight our sentiment and our worries with the upcoming fall semester. This is Outspoken Mind. Hello guys, and this is Outspoken Mind. And for today's episode, I am here with my brother. Uh, his name is Eduardo, and he's an undergrad at Case Western Reserve University as as am I, a uh, graduate student over at the same institution. And for this episode, I mainly want to gather the stories of friends and family of mine who are currently in college to further understand their viewpoint of not only the pandemic, but also how has the pandemic affected their academic and professional life. So in this brief interview with my brother, I want to first ask him to uh, get a, give a little bit of a spiel of who you are, what you do, and what are your aspirations. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Eduardo Williams. As Alberto said, I'm Alberto's brother, um, and I'm an undergraduate student at Case Western Reserve University. I am studying nutritional biochemistry and metabolism on the pre-med track. And I am currently a junior. Uh, for my career aspirations, I strive to become a physician scientist. Um, and I am currently in the process of just getting there. So, yeah, that's pretty much common with all of us. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like I, I, I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners will be able to resonate with you and uh then again, 2020 has been quite a year so far. Yeah. So I am very glad that you have joined our conversation today. So thank you so much for uh, for being here with me. No, thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's get this started. So first question, Eduardo. Um, how has COVID-19 affected you in your academic endeavors? So from a pre-med student's perspective, I think that many students can resonate with this, especially pre-med students, but it definitely has been a challenge to try to continue being on the pre-med track and, and being able to receive and get access to the opportunities that um, pre-med students traditionally have had in the past. I think that especially when it comes to getting clinical experience, it's going to look very different. And it does look very different now because it's not as easy and accessible to go to hospitals right now, understandably so due to the pandemic. Um, I think that in regards to classes, it's definitely been a stressful and anxious time. It's been very, it's been a, a an adjustment to being able to take exams online, taking classes online. It's definitely a different approach to being able to receive an education. You have to 
be able to get into your own schedule, make sure that you're keeping yourself accountable for what you're learning, um, which is definitely doable, but can be a challenge given how everything is unfolding, especially here in the United States. So it's definitely a challenge. I don't think that it's undoable. I think that it's uh, it's doable, but it definitely comes with having privileges and resources that not everybody has. I've been fortunate enough to be able to have a stable internet connection, to be able to have access to resources online that have helped me continue to do well in my classes, to be able to have the resources that I need to be successful. However, not everyone has that. And it's for me, it's very for me, I've been blessed enough to have those opportunities and to have those privileges. But I do recognize that not everybody has that and that it's important to take into account the people who don't have that, because for them, it'll definitely be a more a a more of a rougher time and situation. You actually touched on many topics that I want to cover with you, actually. So how about uh, we go a little bit deeper and ponder on some of the of some of the ones that you just mentioned. So starting first with getting used to online classes and taking your examinations online and everything. So how has how has that adjustment been for you? For me, it's been it's been a combination of learning new things, which I I definitely like the challenge of having to learn new things, but it's it definitely comes with a lot of undue stress and anxiety. I personally am someone who gets very anxious when it comes to test taking and it becomes and it, and I think that the online setting exacerbates that because you get new systems that are implemented because it's understandable that professors and and teachers don't want their students to engage in in any type of cheating or plagiarism but then that it also becomes stressful when you haven't done that in the past and when you have to get used to that very, very quickly. Um, and so, for example, I know that there are universities that are using the the what's known as the lockdown browser or the honor lock, where you take exams and you can't access anything but have the tab with the exam, which is understandable, but then it also comes with the added component of having your 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 mic on or your your camera on, and that can look very differently for people depending on the type of computer they have, the type of systems that they have to have these um, added components. So actually, and sorry to interrupt you, but like you just touched on something that I personally had to deal with. And like in my program, you use ProctorU. So like they basically take over your computer and you have to show them like the four corners of your of wherever you're taking your test on of your room. And I at least I had the experience that uh, they did not want to accept my case ID, like my university ID. And I was having a lot of issues at some point, And that's just added stress on top of the exam that you have to take. So how well are you really doing in that exam with all this undue stress, like you mentioned earlier, that is added because of the fact that they're trying to limit the amount of faults to academic integrity? So it's it, I really resonate with you in that regard because I did go through that and I and I even got delayed in my in taking my exam because of proctor you not doing their things right so like that's something that i really really resonate with you yeah and and it and it it can become very difficult right like it's 
it, it, it's something that I know a lot of professors are trying to work with. And I think that a lot of it just has to come with how flexible and how and, and how professors are really approaching exams and 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 assessing students and how well they're they're doing in their courses and it's and i think that it, that a lot of it is is solved by how the professor takes the approach of of helping students in their course and be and making sure that they have options or making sure that their students are feeling comfortable with the way that the courses are being taught because then that helps bring in the student perspective to professors and them knowing and making sure that their students and that their needs are being addressed and being met. No, absolutely. And uh, something else that you mentioned earlier in regards to access, right? The access to internet, the access that certain students may have, the privileges that are ad hoc, basically, to all, to, to all that it is online learning. So have you had um, have you had close friends or have you known about of people of other students that have that their education has been infringed due to COVID, especially due to their access to Internet? Um, I think I don't have any I can't think of anyone right now that's near and dear to me, but I, I definitely know that there there's people whose home environment is not conducive of online learning and i'm and for privacy reasons i'm not going to share so much but i do know of people and i do know people who not necessarily internet being a problem but their environment where they are has been very very rough and difficult to be able to receive the learning that they that otherwise they would receive in person if COVID wasn't happening and that it's not the same anymore because of the online format, because of staying home. And it's very difficult. Like they, there are people that don't have a room in their home to themselves, that they have to share rooms with more than one person, two people, three people, siblings, parents who don't understand what it means to receive an education at the college level because maybe they don't have that level of education, that students may come from backgrounds that they're first generation or from cultural ethnic backgrounds that do not really understand what it means to receive a higher level education past high school. And I think that that has been more so one of the bigger problems, right? Like even, and yes, access is a problem. And people are have been having problems with that, but it's not only that; it's also what environment you have around you that allows you to receive the best learning and education that you can receive. No, yeah, absolutely, and I, I'm really glad that you touched on that topic as well because that is something that was actually my next point for you to bring to you, and I'm really glad that you did it already because it is. I have many recounts of close friends and people I have come to know that have had a really tough time being able to be successful in their coursework during this pandemic. And it is just striking to see the level of anxiety, stress, and also seeing that, um, yes, some institutions have done some strides, but there is always room for improvement and there is always room to do things 
better in a more considerate way towards the student. And I think that not only students should take an active role in owning their own education, right? But also professors, faculty, and the university administration should also consider the the obstacles that many students have to go through in order to get a higher level education, especially with costs, though, because that has been another trend now with many stu- with many, um, I'm sorry, um, institutions that have increased their cost of attendance due to COVID, quote unquote, unquote. but do, are those really being, are those, are those changes really convincing or are those reminiscent of other issues that are also occurring in our current education system in the United States? So I just think, I just think that that is also worth mentioning as well. Mm -hmm. But um, another question that I had for you is how do you envision the fall semester now that the fall semester is completely with COVID in mind compared to the last spring semester in which we were all, you know, normal, like normal in-person learning and then that transition. And now that everything is COVID considered. Yeah, I think so. I think that the fall semester, it's, it's going to be very different to the spring semester. Even though in this past spring semester, we did have traditional in-person classes that then got canceled due to COVID. Um, and then we switched to a full online format. I think even though that happened, it will be a different semester full of different sets and challenges, obstacles and challenges that students are going to face, that faculty are going to face, and that administrators at the university are going to face. Because now, at least at Case Western, the, the, it's now, it's either blended in person, completely online there's there are different formats now and not everybody is going to be on campus so now there's going to be the challenge of you're going to have people on campus you're also going to have people at home and so now there's going to be different challenges that are going to be faced by people because of the fact that you're going to have people in different parts of the world but also you're going to have different students that are going to be in person at the university And then if you have challenges that are brought by students in an online format, but then you have challenges that are brought by students in an in-person format, it's really important to consider how you're going to mitigate those different situations. And and which ones you're going to give priority to to over. And that like, that's the other issue though, because like who, who, who will be prioritized in this scenario Mm -hmm. in which you have students, some students going in person, some students going online. How are, are their education, is their education going to be towards the same degree equivalent? Mm-hmm. Are their experiences going to be equivalent? Are they going to feel that they are actually getting the most out of their college experience by looking uh, at a computer screen on a webcam and a mic? Mm-hmm. So it, and it is, it is what it is basically. Uh, but it, at the same well, time, it's, it's important to consider all of these points. I don't think. I think that right now, like, obviously not not everyone has all the answers prepared, but it's important to consider that these are problems that are going to happen in the future and that it's only a matter of time, right, till they happen. And it's better to to be prepared for that and and to know at least that these things can happen so that they don't catch you by surprise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of what's happening right now with COVID has mostly to do with how the government has been handling the situation. But then again, 
that is a whole different conversation, but mm-hmm. um, uh, coming down to how educational institutions are managing the situation, do you think that at least your institution is making the right steps or do you think that there are other things that should be modified to warrant better results? I think that my institution, they're taking the steps that they're trying to take. Um, I think there are good things and that there are things that can be done in a more efficient, more effective way. Um, For me, what worries me is that um, at least right now, there will be less of a public health concern with the reduction of the amount of students that can come to campus or that can at, or that at least can live on in on campus housing. Um, and doing that 50 percent reduction is is a I think it is a right step. Now, the moment in which it was done, I don't think it was the best timing, but I mean, it was still taken. And. Um, the biggest concern I have, because I am a student who's, who's going to live on campus, I am an RA. What concerns me is that, you know, the, the university is going to, to test students for COVID, which is a right step. But my question is, how continuous is that going to be? Because right now, my biggest concern is if there's an outbreak. And I, you know, I, I want to, to be aware and I want to, to know that I'm in, a, I'm in a safe space. And by safe, I mean a place that's taking the, the, the security measures continuously and, and, you know, throughout good measures of time so that we know how we're holding up in regards to the pandemic. And so to me, I'm hoping that, that the university takes into account that once you get tested, it like that does, and and if you test negative, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're that gonna you be were, negative all throughout. Yeah, and that if if the decision was taken that students can return to campus, that that decision was taken, keeping in keeping in mind that that there are the resources necessary to keep track of these students and make sure that they continuously get tested and that they continuously are are being looked at and and taking into account that their symptoms that they're not showing anything that can that can pose a risk for students living on campus and even for faculty professors staff like anyone who's at the university because then it really becomes a big public health risk and not only that but that they're also doing the the right type of testing because that has been another issue with uh, COVID-19 testing because there's the antibody test and then there's the molecular test where the molecular test, they basically do a PCR and then they check if you still have viral RNA going through your bloodstream as opposed to the antibody test, which, which tests if you've had an active COVID-19 infection in the past. And like we have seen so many stories in the media in which they do these kinds of testing and then they yield contradictory results or they don't yield the right results at all. So like that, at least to me, is another big concern that the university is taking the, the, the right steps in doing the right testing. And as you mentioned, a doing a continuous testing to maintain safety mitigation, mitigation um, procedures and on campus and warrant the health of, of whoever is on campus, not only the students, but also, as you mentioned, the staff and the faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, as my last question, I want to ask, how do you envision 
given COVID-19, how do you envision education as a whole going forward? Hmm, that's a really tough question. Um, I think that it's it's challenging um, in the future. I mean, people have to, it, it, it's a time where because there's a lot of uncertainty in how long this pandemic is going to last, like it, people have to get used to the internet and being able to use online as the main resource for everything, for meeting people, for being able to have social interaction um, in regards to education, being educated, getting an education through online learning. Um, and I think that it's important for people to get used to the idea that it, that this is this is currently ongoing. We don't know how long it's going to last and that it can and that it's challenging and that it's hard, but it's something that we have to get used to. But at the same time that, you know, just because it's something that we have to get used to doesn't mean that you shouldn't take steps to also keep yourself in, in, in a good mental, emotional state, because right now I think that my biggest concern is people not receiving the necessary help to to be mentally emotionally okay and that is something that can be very hard to do through a virtual or remote format yeah and so i really hope that that whether it's universities or outside or organizations that they have the resources to help people and that they receive the proper training to do this in a in an online format because that looks very differently to, to giving emotional, mental health um, help mm-hmm. than in person. And I think that it's really important to consider that in the future with education, more than more than the learning, more than than the the getting good grades, than the getting to to the graduate or professional program that you want to get to, or the career that you want to get to. That that it's that it, the most important thing for me is that people are mentally, emotionally okay, that they are healthy, eating healthy, being able to receive the resources that they need to be healthy at home or wherever they have to be in order to do well in their endeavors. Well, thank you so much for all your input. And I am so glad that um, my very first like um, episode, like of a lengthy <laughs> feature, uh, I'm really glad that you were the first person to, to be in it because, well, you know, you're my brother, so you're everything to me. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like I really wanted to get your opinions, your thoughts, your input, because I really value it. I esteem you a lot. And I really think that you are the ideal person to shed some light into this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. On to the next feature. So on the second interview for this episode, we have an awesome friend of mine. Her name is Ashlyn Hernandez. And uh, we've been extremely wholeheartedly awesome friends for many years since undergrad. And I am so happy that she got to graduate now in 2020. So shout out. Woo. And Thank you. Uh, I am so happy 
that you have said yes to um, to be part of my episode today. So thank you so much. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here with you. All right. So I would like to start out by asking you to talk a little bit about yourself and uh, what is it that you studied and what are your uh, your aspirations in life? Um, well, a little bit about myself. I recently graduated um, the University of Puerto Rico with a bi uh, biology bachelor's degree. Additionally to that, I have an English minor in English writing and communication. I pride myself in having qu acquired quite the, the amount of language skills. I'm currently learning Japanese. And oh, nice. In, and in life, I would really like to pursue a career in medicine, which is what I'm working on right now. However, due to current circumstances, trying to obtain a shadowing position has been, has proved to be very difficult. Uh, I am pretty sure that's something that many people can resonate with you because like I'm I'm one of those people. I was supposed <laughs> to Yeah, <laughs> I was supposed to shadow a physician during um the uh during this semester, uh this upcoming semester and even though we are still communicating, I actually had a meeting with him today, but um, even though we're still communicating over Zoom and all, uh, it's proven to be quite difficult to be able to go back to the OR and be able to experience firsthand what being a physician is. Because, yeah. you know, us pre-meds, it's pretty, you know, getting into medical school is a feat. So, um, so many, I'm pretty sure many people can resonate with that, can resonate with you on that yeah Thank yeah you for sharing it of course so what other things do you think are something that i that you feel are part of what ashlyn is um i guess it's the particular fact that i don't stick to just one thing i like to do a variety of things um i draw i'm a violinist i am a gamer and all of these things, it's the fact that I'm so diverse. I don't, I can't stay still um, with only one thing. I like to do everything if I can, but always trying to keep my mind set on what I want to do. Quite an ambitious woman. Very much so. Yeah. We are, we're, we are in dire need of more representation of women in science yeah. and many other areas. So uh, I am... I am very proud of you, and I am sure that as you continue progressing, you'll be a great role model for many, for many girls to come, right? <laughs> that, is, that is a dream. That would be a dream come true, become a role model for men, not just girls, but anybody, really. I asked my brother uh, earlier in the, in the episode a few questions that I thought that were extremely important, and some of them I... I, I'm not gonna lie. I did not write them down. That's the that's first first red flag. That's bad. I think. So, um, but second, second of all, um, I think it's I I just like the way that uh, things can flow, you know, without a script mm -hmm. at times. So like, I just wanted to take advantage of that. However, my first question is: How has COVID nineteen affected you directly or indirectly? And how do you think it has shifted your career path? Um, so I was 
actually in my last semester, <clears throat> I was working on my last semester in the university when this whole entire COVID thing started blowing up. I had a lot of opportunities coming up and the fact that we went into lockdown on March 15 was very difficult. Uh, that same Friday, I was supposed to present my research and it didn't happen because of this uncertainty surrounding COVID. It affected how I studied, it affected, I'm pretty sure everybody can resonate with this, it affected me emotionally because the lack of social interaction, even for people who are introverted, makes it very difficult. Not being able to see your friends and this entire concept of just like, on that last Friday that we saw each other, we never thought it would be a three, four month long thing. For my future, it was very difficult because I was supposed to obtain my degree at a specific date, right before many of the deadlines were due. However, due to COVID itself, everything got pushed back so horribly that by the time that many of the graduate school deadlines went by, I had not, I didn't even have my degree. It was still up in the air whether I had graduated or not. So it really did affect what was my next step. In a desperate attempt to try to see if I could apply to schools, I sadly got rejected. And then I decided to take this next semester off and try to work on myself and try to work on my career and making my resume and CV much more presentable than what it is now. Well, that is something that I, I can truly understand you. And I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners will be able to understand you as well, because like it, it has taken a toll on absolutely everyone. And it has taken a toll in such a way that it's you know, unique to every, to each individual. And I'm just glad that at least we can talk about this stuff because like in the, in the mainstream media, like there is really no, I have not seen a single media outlet who has tried to listen to the student body and how the students are feeling. Cause like we have uh, universities sort of raising tuition and you know that happens every single year but mm-hmm. there, there, there are many other things that are not being you know offered to the student and they're still wanting to get money out of it even though it's through zoom or uh, google meet or or, or any other uh, you know online apps for video chatting and conferencing so mm-hmm. and i bring this up because it is it is also something that's affecting everybody everyone because it is just a new era of education. And with a new era of education with COVID considered, how are you going to compete with the rest of the people who are applying to the programs that you wanted to go? Mm-hmm. So like, it, it's just so much uncertainty and then no one is talking about it. And I feel that not many people really grasp the depth mm-hmm. and, the, and the breadth of how this affects the lives of students. Like right now you're going to have a gap year, and I mean a gap mm-hmm. semester, um, and that's <laughs> totally fine. Like that's great. And if you want to work on yourself, like, hey, like that is absolutely amazing. And I really hope the best for you. But I'm pretty sure that uh, if it were, if it's for, for like someone else, for example, a person like myself, like I could not be doing a gap semester. I, I kid you not, you know me. 
So I, it's it's the same. It's such a hard concept to grasp. I I find myself telling my friends who already started their semesters saying, I really envy you. I wish I was in your shoes. I know that this online thing is very stressful. I particular, particularly hate online classes. I've already had experiences with them prior to this entire COVID thing. And a part of me is really glad that my last semester happened to be online because all of these new restrictions that are being implemented for this semester of online classes seem more stressful than anything I've ever faced with, with, you know, regular classes. So. No, yeah. And like, again, like every single person is different. And that's the, mm -hmm. and that's the thing, like, because before COVID, before COVID, where we had, uh, people had the option of going online or in person. And, and like, these there were these options where people could just look for something that fits, that fits them. But now huh? with COVID, it's basically like the only option is online. <laughs> so yeah. like that's basically the only option. So like we're we're, we're basically we're basically until like oh you get educated or you're just looking at the ceiling inside your house in quarantine because you cannot do absolutely anything else with your life other than yeah. looking at a computer on a webcam and a mic and doing <laughs> your stuff on a computer. So it's <laughs> so it's 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 like insane. Like there's I, there's only so many things you can do on a computer. I know, right? It becomes very stressful because um, there's a lot of methods that, in my case, work more when it comes to uh, um, presential, present classes, if you will. Uh, not so much for online classes. I like listening to professors. I like taking down my own notes. But now, because, at least in my case, in last semester, I didn't even see a, record, a single recording from my professors. They had no idea how to approach this. You know, we were all launched into this online platform spiel on a whim. We didn't have time to plan. We didn't have time to prepare. So actually, so it's been I, super hard. I wanted to ask you, how was the experience in the University of Puerto Rico doing online classes? Because I'm pretty sure that people who do, who are not part of this institution, um, like will not understand why it why you you speak with such despair when it comes to like online classes because like, yeah no I mean this in the best of ways because like over here like I, I absolutely loved going online I thought I was not going to like it but I actually ended up liking it even more but that's just me the thing is that I have more resources here compared to my peers in Puerto Rico so I I really want you to draw that distinction given that you actually been in the States for a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. Um, my first online class exposure was back when I was studying in Colorado. Um, I took a medical terminology class and it was an interesting way. I, I disliked it not because it was a bad class or anything, but it was mostly on me. I would leave, leave things for kind of like, we had a two week interval between each quiz and test that were due um, I would leave it for the last week you know I had other classes to tend to however I did like the fact that it was at your own pace you everybody was at the same pace nobody was behind we knew what we had to do in Puerto Rico here in the university it was backwards it it, it was so bad um, nobody could settle 
on a single platform. So it was emails, it was um, the platform Moodle uh, that the university already had for some of its online classes. And mostly lab instructors were so inconsistent. We, you know, as a STEM major, you know that we require a lot of hands-on activity when it comes to yep. um, working in a lab. And you can't replicate these things at home. So pr instructors were so <laughs> inconsistent with material, these simulations, and when we needed feedback, there was no feedback. Um, I, I really can't tell you how much, how frustrating it was. There was no feedback from professors. I think only one professor was actually good. Uh, some professors just completely gave up. You know, when yeah. you take when you pay for classes, and especially when prices are increasing so badly each year, you would expect your professor to give you feedback, to give you the class, not just give up on it. And that's what happened with one of my classes. Some others were half-assed. You know, all's well. All is well. It ends well. But it was a very stressful experience, and I cannot imagine my peers here um, in the university because I heard of friends with their professors, like having them wake up at 7 a.m., sit in front of a computer and look prim and proper for their classes. Wow. When the power grid here in Puerto Rico is so unstable with the internet being so unstable, you know? So it was very stressful. Professors were not considerate at all. And that is that that's just tough. That's just tough to hear because then on top of that, add the inconsistencies with the power grid and the inter and like broadband connection. Cause like, oh, yeah. well, you, you live in a very rural area. So like for you to, to have access to the internet is quite hard by itself. Oh yeah. Let alone, let alone a faulty power grid. <laughs> yeah. Like well. it, it's not really co-op. It's not really conducive towards a good education experience. And like, oh, the, not it, at all. and the thing, and the sad part of all this is that this is not an isolated incident. This is something that many people share down there. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to so many years of corruption and politics. But then again, that's a different, that's a different talk. <laughs> that's a, that's for a different topic. That yeah. is another topic. But, but, but just to put the tea out there. Um, ever since Hurricane Maria, like things have mm -hmm. been worse. Oh, and significantly worse. Significantly. So, like, it is, it's, it's just a, a different reality that U.S. citizens, U.S. citizens in the island of Puerto Rico have to go through all these struggles when oh, yeah. they are part of a developed nation. So, it is, oh, yeah. it is, it is just striking to, to, to really, to, like, grasp all these, um, all these things, all, and let alone like trying to, you know, graduate <laughs> on top of a pandemic. Yeah, um, it's so hard. And many people don't accept this, but Puerto Rico, even though that it's part of the United States, because we are in fact part of the United States, but Puerto Rico behaves as if it were a third world country. You know, it's not, e we don't have that same access to having high speed internet as you guys in mainland do at least for me you know it's it's inhumane to 
actually think that a five megabyte speed internet could cost nearly $50. Whereas for uh, having a better broad, uh, a better speed in the States for that same amount, it can, it's so much better. Yeah. You guys can obtain like 50 megabytes for that same price that I'm, that we're paying. And even then, when professors are so conscious about the fact that not all of us have access to the internet, they still expect us to. My other question is, and I think this is the, I, I would say this is the very, the hardest question. Okay. How do you envision education moving forward? In general or? In like as a whole, but also mm -hmm. considering how COVID has affected the education system. Uh, I believe that online classes were already an option. We always had online classes because online degrees are a thing. A lot of people do their degrees online, their graduate degrees, because, you know, because of time, because of whatever they're doing. I believe that it's impacted, it's impacted the people in need the most and very negatively. So because it's starting to create a big gap, you're going to, you see people who don't have internet. Uh, don't have access to connection or to even be able to pay for internet access, being deprived of this basic need that is education. Children are being deprived of this basic need that is education. Not so much us grown-up graduate students, but more on children. This is definitely going to impact children differently because schools also help develop interpersonal skills. And this is going to impact them. I do believe that there is so much work to do. There needs to become, not just in Puerto Rico, but also in the States, internet access, high-speed internet should become a thing that is not marked up in such an expensive price. should become something that is accessible to everyone, not just people who can afford it. Because now, now with COVID, COVID is not going to go away. COVID is permanent. COVID is going to keep affecting us. It's just going to reduce the rate at which it will affect us. But COVID is not going to go away. Um, so we need to live with this. And we need to adapt to each and every hurdle that we face. And if we don't adapt appropriately, we're going to see children not getting basic education, going back into those old days when our grandparents barely even got past sixth grade because they couldn't afford it. They couldn't get access to it, you know? It just feels like we're going back to those days. This is um, the Spanish flu all over again, if you will, because you can compare the years. Back then, we didn't have the internet, but there was this evident gap between the rich and the poor. This is happening right now. So I... I see education improving for those who can afford it, not for everybody. It's going to get worse for people who are not able to afford education or internet access. And COVID, one good thing that COVID did was help us realize this. Help us realize 
that this gap between the rich and the poor has always been there, but now it's even more evident. Wow. <laughs> that that was powerful. That was powerful. And I really commend you for for your opinions, your thoughts, everything. Because I I feel that you have touched on so many other things that are, you know, attached to mm-hmm. COVID. And I really wish we had more time to uh, ponder over them, but um, <laughs> we can I, have we can have an entire discussion about. Oh this. yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're, I'm pretty sure that as this podcast continues to grow, I, we will be able to talk about these more in more detail. Um, but thank you, thank you so much for your time. I really wish you the best, <laughs> and I am you. so 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 happy that um, you, you have gotten to do this big accomplishment and that is to graduate from your bachelor's degree and that is something that is a big accomplishment and <laughs> especially during these dire times so mm-hmm. and thank you so much for like um, for taking the time and talking with me today of course thank you for having me it's been a pleasure and I hope to come back again This wraps up episode two. Coming at you from the studio, this is your host, Berto. I'll see you on the next one. Take care and always be outspoken.